Let's grab our copy of the Word of God. Turn to three different places this morning. For sake of time, I like to get these things, uh, get you in the right place already. So take your Bible and go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Go to Exodus 15. And then also go to Romans chapter 6. And I'll mention a couple other places, but we'll do some reading in these texts uh, here this morning. So I want you to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 10 this morning. And I'm just going to read a few verses, beginning right there in verse number 1. Well, the Bible says, Moreover, brethren, I, wouldn't, I, would, I would not that ye should be ignorant, how that all our fathers were under the cloud, and all passed through the sea, and all were baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and did all eat the same spiritual meat, and did all drink the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. But with many of them, God was not well pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Verse 6 says, Now these things were written, uh, were our examples, so the intent which we should not lust after evil things, as they also lusted. Neither be idolaters, as were some of them. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Neither let us commit fornication, as some of them committed and fell in one day, uh, three and twenty thousand. Neither let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted, and were destroyed of the serpents. Neither murmur ye, as some of them also murmured, and were destroyed of the destroyer. Now all these things happened unto them for examples, and they are written for our admonition, upon whom the ends of the world are come. Verse 12 says, Wherefore let him that thinketh, uh, thinketh he standeth, take heed, lest he fall. And let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much again for who you are. We thank you for your Son. We thank you for the cross, uh, the consistency of your word, the truth, the truth, the trustworthiness of your word. Uh, Lord, we just come to you this morning and we need you, Lord. In the strange days that we live in, Lord, with the mediums and the and the Facebook lives and the YouTubes and all this time here, Lord, we know that we serve a God, a constant God that's still you, Lord, and we, and we love you. And we ask you to help us this morning, help, uh, help this, uh, this video, this sermon be a blessing to you and to your people, Lord. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So that's 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 10, a few verses there. Uh, you know, as a reminder, Paul's letter uh, to the Corinthians, his, his, his epistle to the Corinthian church, was a letter of reproof. And he greatly desired uh, for them to take a higher road than the one they were on. Paul was no doubt embarrassed by some of their actions and boldly corrects them in this letter. He begins this chapter with setting the record straight and pointing out the similarities between the Corinthian church and the children of Israel. And we can find some similarities there ourselves. And in his words of, of admonishment uh, to the Corinthian church, we can find also words of admonishment, but also words of encouragement and hopefully words of motivation this morning to live a closer walk with the Lord. Uh, look at verse number 1. Verse number 1 again says, That moreover, brethren, I would not that you should be ignorant, how that our fathers were under the cloud. They were under the cloud. Uh, this is certainly a reference to the pillar of cloud uh, that led Israel out of bondage, if you remember, back in Exodus. Exodus 13, chapter or Exodus chapter 13, verse 21, states, And the Lord went before them uh, by day in a pillar of a cloud to lead them the way. 
So God is certainly represented in the Exodus visually as that pillar of cloud. But there is a strong implication here that also points to Christ. It's no surprise there, of course. Paul even states that Christ was indeed the rock that they drank from in verse number 4. But it's also true that the cloud came after the Passover. And as we mentioned last week, Paul states in 1 Corinthians 5-7 that Christ is indeed our Passover. So the cloud represents God's protection and leadership, and the Passover represents our salvation. And again, Christ is our Passover. He is our uh, Lamb of God. He is the Lamb of God. So in a very practical sense, by implication, being under the cloud is synonymous with being under the blood. So our first truth this morning as we jump right in is, is salvation. Be saved. And while Paul is writing to the church, I, I, I realize this, it should be a given that every recipient was a believer, but this probably was not even the case for the children of Israel. Because speaking of the Israelites in the desert, the author of Hebrews writes in chapter 4, verse 2, the word preached did not profit them because it wasn't mixed with faith in them that heard it. Verse 6 of Hebrews 4 states that they didn't enter the promised land because of unbelief. And Paul isn't using this example because it sounds good or, or it goes with the message. There were probably some folks who assembled with the Corinthian church who were not saved, much like there were probably some Israelites who were not believers. Notice the contrast in, in some of the verses here in chapter 10. Look up at verse number 1 again. At the end of it, it says, And all passed, all passed through the sea. Verse 2, And all baptized. Verse 3, All ate. Uh, verse 4, And did all drink. But then, in verse 5, But with many. Verse 7 says, As were some of them. Verse 8 says, Neither let us commit fornication as some of them. Verse 9, Neither let us tempt Christ as some of them. Verse 10, Neither murmur ye as some of them. So there's a contrast between all, the many, and the some. Uh, so again, the first application for us this morning is to make sure we are saved. Make sure we are part of the family of God. We must realize our wretched state, we must repent from our rebellion, and we must receive Christ as our Redeemer. Make sure that we're saved this morning. You know, we know the history here of God's people. Uh, we know that they were in bondage to Egypt. And God sent nine plagues, I know, I know he said ten, but at first he said nine plagues or signs that pointed to the fact that he was in fact God, not Pharaoh, not the gods of Pharaohs, but God was God. And that he, and that they were his people, the Jews were his people. The tenth sign that came along was that of the Passover. And the Israelites found liberation under the blood of the doorpost. And they were delivered from Egypt. They were saved from Egypt. After the Passover, God, of course, led them to the sea. And they were all baptized in the Red Sea. Baptized unto Moses, as Paul writes in verse number 2. And the Red Sea baptism, get this now, it separated them from the Egyptians once and for all. There was no going back to Egypt for the Jews. And there was no going forward for the Egyptians. They were separated uh, a, a, a barrier, a gulf was fixed between them. The Red Sea was between them. They were separated. And this is our second application this morning. Again, it should be implied. It should be in an implied outcome for believers, but we should be separated. 
We should be saved and we should be separated from the world, separated unto God. For the children of Israel, God brought them under the God, God brought them out under the blood, and God brought them through the Red Sea, so they were saved and they were separated. The children of Israel were now separated from Egypt via the Red Sea baptism, and our separation also begins with baptism. You know, baptism is the first step of separation, and it marks us physically as a people who belong to Christ's church. Uh, of course, I'm not talking about the spiritual baptism that happens when we accept Christ, but when we get physically baptized, we separate ourselves, we mark ourselves as belonging to the Lord. And rather quickly, our next principle this morning is to be sustained by God. And I want to point out that the reason we're going so fast is separation and sustainment, or satisfaction, or, or, or sanctification rather, they kind of have a, a lot of overlap. But let's, let's read a little bit more of, of Paul's letter here. Look at verse number 3. Verse number 3 says, and, and did all eat the same spiritual meat, and did all drink the same spiritual drink. So it talks about how they all ate and drank the same spiritual meat and spiritual drink. And we know that to be manna. Uh, we know the water provided by God. They were sustained by God. They didn't need anything else. They were sustained. So what more could they want? They were saved from their slavehood. They were separated from their slave masters. And now they were sustained by their Savior. But here begins their deeper problem and, of course, another application for us. Verse 5 says, Many of them, God was not well pleased. With many of them, God was not well pleased. I hope that He's well pleased with us this morning. But He wasn't well pleased with them. Remember, there is a, this is a real event. They really left Egypt. They really, the Red Sea was really part, uh, parted. The, the, the Egyptians went in and, and they died in the Red Sea and, and Israel made it on the other side. These are real individual people that God led to there, but it is a mixed multitude. God led a mixed multitude from Egypt. And God dealt with each one of them individually. And the scripture evidence, as we already pointed out, suggests that all were probably not saved. So God, through Paul, is using these big picture events to point out something that is practical in our lives. Notice verse 6. These things were our examples. And the, so the big picture he is painting is this. Like the Israelites, we too are saved by the blood. And like the Israelites were baptized unto Moses, we are baptized unto Christ. And just like the physical Red Sea baptism separated us from Israel... Uh, uh, separated Israel from Egypt, our physical baptism separates us unto God and it separates us from the world. And just like the Red Sea crossing couldn't happen without the blood of the Passover, our baptism does not happen without the blood of Christ. And Paul's practical preaching to the Corinthian church is to put them in the same category of the Israelites of whom God was not well pleased. Remember, this is the Corinthian church. They've, they've run amok, if you will. They've done things that make the Gentiles blush, as Paul pointed out. Uh, they, they've done some things that Paul says they should not be doing. God was not well pleased. Paul is saying, all of you are saved by the same Christ. All of you have been baptized in the name of Christ, but some of you are not well pleasing to Christ. And I think he's taking for granted 
and allowing for the assumption that all of them are probably not saved, much, much like how the mixed multitude was delivered by, by the blood on the doorpost. He's saying you've been saved to the Corinthian church. You've been separated, but just like the Israelites, you have some problems with trust in God. You have some problems with separation and with sustaining. You know, think for a moment about the contrast in lifestyle between the Israelites in Egypt and the Israelites on the other side of the Red Sea, on this side of the Red Sea. Uh, I think there's a great contrast there. Now, I'm not talking about the murmuring just yet, but think about this. In Egypt, they were in bondage. They did what Egypt wanted them to do. They were slaves to Egypt. They ate what Egypt allowed them to eat. They drank what Egypt allowed them to drink. They were slaves and at the complete mercy of the taskmasters. But on the other side of the Red Sea, they were not slaves to Egypt. No longer did they rely on what the Egyptians allowed them to eat or drink. Now they were saved and separated from Egypt by way of the Red Sea. They were a new people. They were a redeemed people. They needed a different kind of food. They needed spiritual food. And verse 3 and 4 again states that they eat spiritual food and they drink spiritual drink. In other words, they could no longer or should no longer rely on the Egyptian victuals. They were to rely on God. God would provide their needs. But unfortunately, as you know, this is not entirely what the Israelites wanted to do. Notice, notice verse 6 again. It says, now these things were our examples to the intent we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. So instead of relying on God, they lusted after other things. And many in the church, including us from time to time, were guilty of the same things. We want what the world wants and not what God wants. So get this now. If the Exodus Passover, if the Exodus Passover is a picture of Christ as our Passover, which it clearly is, Egypt is easily a picture of the world. When we put our faith in Christ, his blood saves us from our sins, and spiritually speaking, he separates us from the world. Jesus stated in John 15:19 that the world hates us because it hated him first and that we are not of the world. Yes, we're in the world, but we're not of the world. We are separated unto God. You know, our physical baptism is a picture of salvation, yes, but it is also a public profession of our faith that separates us from the world, and it separates us from our old life. It's, it's not salvation. Only the blood of Christ saves, but our baptism is, a, is as bold a picture of our salvation as the Red Sea crossing was to the Passover. It separates us. It begins a new life. There should be a change. It should be almost like an A.D. versus B.C. in our life. That's what the baptism does. We're, we're telling God and the whole world that we want to be separated unto Him and not separated unto the world. We want to, we want to make that part. So as Christians... Again, we are saved by Christ. We are baptized unto Christ. And both of these events lead us to be being sustained by Christ, being sanctified by Christ. Saved, separated, and sustained. 
But again, this is where we have problems. We, we don't want to trust God for sustainment. And Paul has already pointed out that the children of Israel were to be sustained by Christ with the spiritual food, if you will. And we know that again to be the manna and the rock which represents Christ. But with many of them, God was not well pleased. Instead of being thankful and trusting God, they murmured and complained against God and against Moses. Have you ever wondered how long it took for the Israelites to start complaining? You know, we, we know the story. They were there for 40 years, wandered in the desert. We also know that was not God's intention. God were to lead them from the Red Sea to Canaan via Mount Sinai to get the law. And, and maybe just a couple of years, no wondering, of course. But have you ever wondered how long it took them uh, to, to start complaining? Take your Bibles and go to Exodus chapter 15. Uh, this is, of course, it begins with the song of Moses right after the Red Sea crossing. Uh, look at verse 22. The Bible says, uh, So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea, and they went out into the wilderness of Shur, and they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. So there are three days, three days after the greatest miracle in the Old Testament. And then notice verse 24. And the people murmured. They murmured against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? God, God of course, provides for them. He provides for the water. He provides for the, the man of the quail, and so forth and so forth. But a few more weeks go by after this. And then notice Exodus chapter 16. Look at verses 2 and 3. Verse 2 says, And the whole congregation and the children of Israel murmured against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the children of Israel said unto them, would to God we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the flesh pots, and, when, and we did eat bread to be full. Uh, for ye have brought us forth into this wilderness to kill the whole assembly with hunger. So they don't want God's sustainment. They want the world's sustainment. And there are many examples of this over and over again with the children of Israel as they move forward. But I want to point out, that God provided every need for them in the desert. Every need. God gave them all they needed, but many of them would rather be back by the flesh pots in Egypt. God brought them into a new world, and they wanted the old world. And I think if you were to ask them individually, they would all prefer to be free. They would all prefer to live in the free world that God provided, but they wanted the sustainment from the old world. And unfortunately, we as, we as modern-day Christians, we, we're guilty sometimes of the same sin. We have a new life. We have eternal life. We're saved. We're baptized. But we would rather have the sustainment from the old world than what God has for us. We desire worldly sustainment instead of spiritual sustainment. But just like the Israelites in the desert, we're not going to make it that way. We cannot survive on a worldly diet. We need spiritual food. You know, we live very obviously in some pretty strange times. And if we expect our walk with the Lord not to waver during these strange times, we need to be sustained with spiritual food. We must be in our Bibles. We must be reading the Word of God, studying the Word of God. Not just a cursory reading, studying to show ourselves approved unto God. 
If there was ever a time when we need to be inundated with the Word of God, it's now. And we have been given, many of us have been given the time to do so with, with a little bit more of a relaxed uh, working environment. So use this time to pour yourselves into the Word of God. Listen, we are all guilty of shortchanging God. We just are. And we need much of His Word in us, more than we would ever think, more than we would ever realize we need God. And sometimes I wonder if I were one of those children of Israel uh, there in the desert, and, and put it in modern times, I wonder how we would fare today, how I would fare today if we were there, if we were you know, part of that. You know, the flesh pots could be replaced with Xbox, our Egyptian bread with bratwurst and pommes, the rothfeis and all that good stuff and so forth. And, and we would certainly not go a day without desiring our coffee and our cake, but, but would we desire the sincere milk of the word? If all of life was stripped away, and that sounds kind of familiar right now, if all of life was kind of put on hold, you know, if, if we couldn't do this anymore, and we couldn't do that anymore, and everything just seemed, seemingly stopped on the whole planet, would we trust God? Would we trust God for His sustainment? What if the internet went out? What if our electricity went out? Do we trust God for His sustainment? Can we trust Him? We can trust Him, but will we? Think again about the children of Israel. Many of them didn't make it out. They died. They couldn't enter the promised land because of unbelief. They didn't trust in God's sustaining hand. They died in the desert. They didn't rely on God. You know, many of them made it all the way through with the same pair of shoes. Why? Because they trusted God. They trusted God. And in a sense, God has provided spiritual shoes for us or our spiritual needs, if you will. And they're not going to wear out. God's promises will not wear out. God's principles will not wear out. They're good in this day. They're good tomorrow. They're good yesterday. Internet or no internet, electricity or no electricity, whether you can go to the mall or not, the principles of God are not going to wear out. His Holy Spirit, the peace that He gives us, the peace that, that passes all understanding, God doesn't give us the peace from the world. He gives us the peace from the Lord Jesus Christ, peace from God. That's not going to wear out. It will never wear out. But we have to trust Him. We have to trust that He's going to sustain us. And then I want you to look at these next few verses here. You know, before I move to that, many times we choose the flesh pots of our old life over the bread in our new life, the bread of life, that is. But look at verse 6. I want to point out some, uh, some things here. Um, Paul outlines in the next few verses some of their bad choices. He obviously doesn't outline all of them, but I think it's quite interesting how they line up with some well-known Old Testament commandments or or prohibitions. Look at verse number 6. He says, Now these things were our examples to the intent we should not lust after other things. It goes along with thou shalt not covet. Look at verse 7. Neither be ye idolaters. Thou shalt not have no other gods before me, or thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image. Look at verse 8. Neither let us commit fornication. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Look at verse 9. Neither let us tempt Christ. Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. And then look at verse number 10. Neither murmur ye. 
but because they murmured against God, this would fall right in line against the third commandment, which is thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. So beginning just three days, three days into their life after baptism, they began this deadly trail of disobedience and tempting God in his graces. Paul's application to the Corinthian church and God's to us is clear and is summed up very nicely by Paul in Romans chapter 6. If you want to take your Bibles and go to Romans chapter 6, in this passage, uh, we'll see some things here that Paul really puts all this in perspective for us in this life. Look at, uh, look at verse number 3. The Bible says, Know ye not that so many of us were baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into his death. Therefore we are buried with him in baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. And knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin should, might not be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin, for he that is dead is freed from sin. Now, if we be dead, uh, if we be, if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dieth no more; death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once, but in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise, reckon ye, your all, ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Just like the Israelites are no longer living in Egypt, according to Egypt, neither should we live in the world according to the world. We are indeed dead unto sin, we are dead unto the world, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ. You know, in these somewhat different times, be sure that you're saved. Make sure you have a home in heaven. Trust Christ as your Savior. If you're saved, follow the clouds, so to speak. Follow God as He leads and be separated unto Him. Baptism is just a beginning. And lastly, trust God for your sustainment. You know, we cannot live a life that's pleasing to God without spiritual sustainment. We need the Word of God. We need the preaching of the Word of God as much as we can get it. And as I close this morning, trust Christ and be saved, be separated, and be sustained. And I'll sign off with the words to this hymn uh, that I've read already. I'll give you a couple more. Uh, verse 5 of this hymn uh, says, And when the flesh and heart shall fail, and mortal life shall cease, I shall possess within the veil a life of joy and peace. You know, God is amazing. And we serve an amazing God. He has amazing grace, which in turn happens to be this song. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, and now I see. I hope that this has been a blessing to you. I hope that uh, today can be a day to honor God, to get around our, our Bibles, to get around our families, break open the Word of God, read His Word of God, listen to some preaching, praise God, sing to God even. 
And I thank you, and I hope you have a blessed day. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you again for this day. We ask you to bless it. Be with our church family this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, and have a wonderful day.